Hello, and welcome back to Filmmaker's Compass Podcast, the show where we talk about movies and, well, more movies. Now, if you're watching the show, if you're listening to the show, I'm going to give you a little call to spoiler for this episode. It's going to be a little bit different. I'm CP, and in fact, I am the only person recording this episode. That's right. My co-host, my wingman, the voice that you are used to hearing and you love hearing on this show, D-Man is not going to be here. For some of you, this may be a dream come true. For most of you, I'm guessing this is just, in fact, your worst nightmare because you are going to be stuck with me for the duration of this episode. Rip Filmmakers Compass podcast, Rip listeners, and D-Man, just so you know, we all miss you very much. In fact, audience, first thing, like probably a great time for you to reach out to D-Man on social and spread some love. Let him know how much you missed him and how bad, in fact, this show was when it was just me. Let's get into it. I don't do the shout out thing. You guys know that that is not what gets me up in the morning. That is what gets D-Man up in the morning. So the first shout out I'm going to give, in fact, is to D-Man. Because, dude, I really did not realize how hard this was going to be doing this episode without you until I started doing it without you. Other person that I'd like to give a shout out to, just take a moment, an in memoriam here, Rip Jason David Frank. JDF, the Green Power Ranger. And that's just because he was green before he was the White Power Ranger. You may remember him for playing Tommy Oliver in the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And he kicked ass in it. He was amazing. Passed away a few days ago. Just terrible because Jason David Frank was actually an awesome, awesome member of nerd culture and the whole community. He made himself available to fans at Comic-Con. He made himself available at MorphCons, and he was totally accessible. He really embraced his role of Tommy from the Power Rangers. He happily gave out autographs and spent time being with the community and the culture and all the people who grew up loving Power Rangers. So it's really sad that he has passed. Speaking of Power Rangers, actually, a few years back, I rewatched the original Mighty Morphin series from the 90s. And I will tell you, obviously, the visuals are horrible. The episodes are cheesy. But at the same time, it's just so freaking awesome. Gotta love Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. If you're a 90s kid, if you wish you were a 90s kid, if you just like poorly dubbed series, then you gotta love Power Rangers. And if you haven't watched in a while, it's really worth it to give it another chance because it was a lot of fun reliving that one. Now, I'm not going to be doing it again anytime soon. Uh, That's actually a lie. In memory of JDF, I'll probably throw on a few episodes and check it out. But for the most part, if it wasn't for something tragic like this to get me to re-embrace it, I probably wouldn't. But uh, if you haven't seen the show since, I don't know, the 90s when it aired the first time, it's probably worth giving it another go because it's a lot of fun. So a lot of stuff's going on in the world this week. Obviously, Thanksgiving is coming up, and I hope that you and yours have a wonderful Thanksgiving. But aside from that, there's actually something that's probably even bigger than Thanksgiving this year, and that would be the World Cup. That's right. Normally, the summer event is finally taking place in, well, not the summer. So this is going to be the first Thanksgiving where not only can you watch football American, but the football, the international game that we in America call soccer. Cutter, or, well... Qatar, as you may call it, is actually the first Arab nation and the second Asian country other than Korea slash Japan, which both hosted the World Cup at once, which is kind of weird, to host the World Cup. 
It's also, to my knowledge, the first host country to lose their opening game in World Cup history. Obviously, it's not much of a football nation to begin with, but that isn't really a good sign. So I don't know if you're a hardcore football fan or a sports fan or just one of those I want to be a part of the moment fan or planning to watch the World Cup, but I certainly would encourage you to do it because if you miss it now, you got to wait another four years till it comes back around. And it's always a lot of fun to be a part of it, but I think you should be a part of it because it's awesome. Past World Cups have had something like a sixth of the world watching the World Cup finals. And that's pretty cool because what else on the planet gets that type of viewership? Nothing. I'm going to be rooting for Team USA. I mean, come on, United States, baby. That is the team that we root for. That is the team that I will root for. I'm also a realist, and I know that there is a very minimal chance that the United States is actually going to win the whole thing. This is not even the best team that we fielded, so uh, it's going to be a little dicey. If I had to put my money on a team, I'm going to be betting on Argentina, and all the Brazilians can dox me or whatever you got to do. I understand. I'm going to the Argentinians. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, it'll be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to some great matchups. Very weird, though, doing this whole thing in November, December, when normally this would have happened four months ago. But hey, get with the times. Now, maybe you're not a football fan, and I get that, especially here in the United States. Most people still are not. But... I took the liberty of creating a list for you of five films that I think if you are not a diehard football fan or a diehard soccer fan, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I think you should check them out. Maybe it will change your opinion. So here are five films that I would recommend to the casual football fan. So number five. This is the first one on the list, but it's number five, actually. Kicking and Screaming from 2005. Now, this is sort of a combination of the Little Giants and the Bad News Bears, but with soccer, why it's on this list. It's a Will Ferrell film, so you pretty much know what you're getting into when you start watching this one. He's a coach. He's at odds with his father, who is also a coach. He teams up with Mike Ditka to take down his father as a coach. It's just a lot of angry Will Ferrell comedy. So if you're into Will Ferrell, watch it. You're, you're going to enjoy it. If you're not into Will Ferrell, stay away from it. It's very much in kind of the vein of that mid-2000s, semi-pro, Blades of Glory, Talladega Night style Will Ferrell that we had when he was coming out with a sports movie like every other year. Number four on the list is actually Mean Machine from 2001, starring Vinnie Jones. And I mean, come on, we all love Vinnie Jones, right? He's actually turned out to be a pretty good actor. When you look at some of the Guy Ritchie films that he's in, he also is in the movie Gone in 60 Seconds, even though he has like one line in the entire movie. As an actor, he's not that bad. This is even better because he's playing a former football player, which in fact he is. Mean Machine is essentially a remake of the American football film, The Longest Yard, Burt Reynolds version from like 1975, because this actually came out before the 2004 Adam Sandler version did. So keep that in mind. You know, player goes to prison, has to set up the prison soccer team. If you're into prison movies, if you're into sports movies, it's such a great juxtaposition of both. And it's a lot of fun. Again, if you've seen the American film and you like it, then this is the same version, just with a bunch of British people and, you know, around soccer ball. 
Number three, Green Street Hooligans from 2005. Now this stars Elijah Wood and Charlie Hunnam. It is the look at the life of a football firm, which are the gangs of football super fans in Great Britain. I actually think this movie is really cool. It's a look into a piece of culture that I knew nothing about. Never lived in England. I've never been a hooligan following around my team. It's a lot of fun. One of the criticisms of the film is that it's a little predictable, but it's a cool experience if you don't really know about it. It shows the darker side of sports fandom, I guess, which is people brawling in the streets, and that's kind of fun, right? Number two is the movie Fever Pitch from 1997. And I know what you're thinking. Fever Pitch? Isn't that a baseball movie? I'm actually talking about the original Fever Pitch, not the Drew Barrymore, Jimmy Fallon remake from the early 2000s about Jimmy Fallon being a Red Sox fan. This film stalls Colin Firth. It's a romantic comedy. And in it, he is actually an Arsenal fan. Makes sense because this is a soccer movie not a baseball movie. It's a story about him being in love with his team and in love with a woman that he met at work. I think it's very charming. Watching it, you will be appalled at how bad the Drew Barrymore one actually is. I would say give it a chance if you get a chance. Finally, the number one movie for me is Bendit Like Beckham from 2002, starring Padmir Narga and Kira Knightley. I actually think that this is a really funny, feel-good movie about growing up, playing sports, and dealing with your parents. Everyone can kind of relate to that in some way. Yes, it is inspired by David Beckham, who famously can hook his kicks. He even makes a very, 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 very brief appearance in the movie because, well, he is not much of an actor. If I'm going to change your mind, but I just figured, hey, if you're not a soccer sports fan, check one of these out. Maybe we'll change your mind and you'll have a new appreciation for the beautiful game. If not, you could always try watching a game of the World Cup and maybe that will change your mind. If not, we're going to drop the subject for good and actually move on to talking about Thanksgiving. Just like real talk it for a moment. I think it's really weird that Hollywood and cinema in general has not truly embraced Thanksgiving. In terms of a cinematic experience and a cinematic season, right? We've, we talk, D-Man and I talk a lot about what are the big seasons, right? Halloween. Hollywood specifically creates movies to release during the Halloween season. Some of those are horror movies, but some of those are actually movies kind of embracing the holiday and the culture and and the traditions of Halloween. Obviously, Christmas is the premier example of this when we have every year a new take on, on Christmas classics. You know, we have comedy Christmas movies, romantic Christmas movies, horror Christmas movies. Now we have this whole range of action Christmas movies. I guess Die Hard started it, but, you know, Fat Man came out a couple of years ago. This year, Violent Night is coming out. The point is, movies are created specifically for Christmas. Movies are created specifically for Halloween. We also get the same thing with... February, whole slew of rom-coms that are released just in time for Valentine's Day. We get the kind of summer action season at the movies that peaks in July. But other than that, that's kind of it, what we get in terms of the movie watching calendar. What about Thanksgiving? Why do we not get Thanksgiving movies? I don't understand it. Because for one, when you really think about it, Thanksgiving is like the 
oldest holiday in America. And the reason why is now I hesitate to say things like this on the podcast because someone's going to correct me because I'm probably wrong. But if I remember correctly, George Washington signed into law the creation of Thanksgiving as the first federal holiday, if I remember correctly. Why does Thanksgiving not get any love then from Hollywood? I mean, when you think about it, it is a four-day weekend where you are stuck, you're not working. If you're really smart, you're not shopping because who wants to be part of that Black Friday chaos? I mean, come on, just buy online, like get with the times. Typically, you are stuck hanging out with a bunch of people that you might not really like. And there's limited things to do. It's a holiday weekend. It's cold. There's weather. What better thing to do than go to the movies? And most people do it anyway. So why are we not embracing the Wednesday through Sunday box office that you get around Thanksgiving and releasing Thanksgiving films? Get it? It is right after October ends and and the end of the Halloween holiday push. And it is right before the Christmas thing really starts to boom. So I understand that it's kind of Thanksgiving. It's kind of forgotten as it's squeezed between the two jumbo, super financially viable holidays. But I still think that there's a potential box office for it. Just don't understand why there's not more movies catering to this collective secular holiday that everyone in America for the most part participates in. More importantly, from a story writing perspective, Thanksgiving is the ultimate goldmine. If you talk to any therapist, they will tell you one of the worst weeks to see patients is the week after Thanksgiving because every emotional wound, childhood trauma, painful event that you have tried to repress, you relive for that one Thursday where you sit there with your family and eat dinner and all the bad memories come back. I mean, I'm not, I don't want anyone to be living their, their trauma again, but as an avid story fan, I mean, what better story fuel than that? Characters just being ripped open and all their emotional wounds and vulnerabilities being exposed to us. That is like the cocaine of story writing. And it just blows my mind that no one seems to recognize this for the goldmine that I see it as. I mean, am I right? Am I wrong? I don't know. The other really amazing thing about it too is there's so many stories that revolve around family, that revolve around reconnecting with the past that revolve around trying to correct a mistake that you made with minimal tweaking. I mean, come on, every year Hallmark releases like half a dozen of these movies that I just summarize the plot and it's nearly identical to the ones that they released the year before. So many movies could be tweaked and set during Thanksgiving as opposed to the obligatory Christmas or New Year's or whatever for that member. Think about something like if you ever saw the Guess Who movie starring Ashton Kutcher and Bernie Mac from a while back, right? Boyfriend goes home to meets girlfriend's family. Well, instead of setting around the events of a wedding, why not set it around the events of a Thanksgiving? It's an opportunity to tweak all these existing stories and set them around something that is going to get them rewatched every year. The producer of Halloween points to the fact that part of the reason why people rewatch Halloween and why it has grown into such a cult classic is because he called it Halloween and they set the film on Halloween. It wasn't called The Babysitter Murders. It was called Halloween for a reason. Because of that, 
you built in a reason to revisit the film every single year with an audience. And I just don't understand it. I know what you're going to tell me. Oh, but there's all these movies that do include Halloween or do include Thanksgiving. And yeah, sometimes they do. Sometimes it's an afterthought. Sometimes it's a little more than that. I think one of the best examples of this is Rocky from 1976. I mean, come on, you've seen Rocky, right? You wouldn't be listening to this show if you'd never seen Rocky. Written by Stallone, starring Stallone, directed by John Alvelson. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, if you remember, is the date that Rocky and Adrian actually go on their date. So it's actually incredibly important to the story of Rocky and the relationship between Adrian and Rocky. And technically, that Thanksgiving goes on to have ramifications throughout the character of Rocky's multi-film arc because obviously he marries and has a child with her. There is a big, I guess that's a spoiler, so sorry, spoiler, but the point is it has a big impact on who Rocky is. Now, there's a lot of other films that include it, like think about something like uh, 2009's The Blind Side with Sandra Bullock, the story about Michael Orr, right? There's a nice little scene where they get together and they're eating Thanksgiving and they like give thanks for Michael Orr being part of the family and all the blessings in their life. But the point is, it's kind of just an afterthought. It's not really integral to the actual film itself. Uh, another good example that I could think of is something like You've Got Mail, the 1998 Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan film. If D-Man was here, he'd be like, oh, dude, I love that movie. Also, Dave Chappelle is in that movie, if you remember. Got to watch it. I mean, I don't watch. make a point of watching You Got Mail because unlike D-Man, I'm not a fan of it. If you haven't seen it in a while, Chappelle is actually in it. That's kind of a fun fact. In the movie, they have their Thanksgiving dinner and... It's an event that they go through, but it's not really central to the plot. Now, if you compare it to something like The Miracle on 34th Street, the Christmas movie, both of them actually have, both films actually start out with the Thanksgiving parade. This is kind of the inciting incident for why the real Santa takes over for the pretend Santa at the thanks at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. As a result, we meet our characters who themselves are either working at the parade or watching the parade. So it's a little more integral to the story. But again, no one really considers Miracle on 34th Street a Thanksgiving movie because it is, in fact, a Christmas movie. It's about Santa. It's about one little girl's journey to discover the Santa is, in fact, real. Christmas movie, not a Thanksgiving movie. There are a couple movies that I think of as true, 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 true Thanksgiving films. The first one of those, and come on, you all know exactly what I'm talking about. 1987, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. This is the comedy from John Hughes, written by Hughes, directed by Hughes, produced by Hughes, starring his good friend John Candy and funny man Steve Martin. I mean, John Candy, Steve Martin, you already know that if you've never seen it, this movie is going to be hilarious. And it is. It's the quest for someone to get home for Thanksgiving. Essentially, the John Candy storyline from Home Alone is explored in this entire film. I mean, that's a, a huge oversimplification, but it's kind of like that little segment if you blew it up and, you know, into a whole movie. It's hilarious. It's two great comedians kind of in their prime. It's John Hughes. This was his first attempt venturing outside teen comedy that he perfected so well in the 80s. This is, I think, the first movie outside of that that he's he's directing. And it's a lot of fun. And again, it is about a man trying to get home to his family for Thanksgiving dinner. All the shenanigans that ensue as he takes planes, 
uh, trains, and in fact, automobiles to get to his family. Great one. If you haven't seen it, you totally need to. I mean, if you've ever listened to the show, as you know, D-Man and I can absolutely gush about our love and, and, and the genius that is John Hughes forever. My advice is I would consider checking it out. It's a lot of fun. Another one, and this is kind of the opposite vein of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles that I think of as a Thanksgiving movie is the film Home for the Holidays from 1995. This is directed by Jodie Foster. It actually has an incredible ensemble cast. It is led by Holly Hunter and Robert Downey Jr. before he became Iron Man. It's kind of a dark comedy where a woman goes home for Thanksgiving, as I talked about a little bit ago, relives all the trauma and all the the emotional wounds that she experienced growing up, realizes why she doesn't go home very often. It deals with the relationship with her brother, her brother's relationship with their family, and really why uh, everyone's just such a mess. Dark comedy, still a comedy. You may or may not have seen it. It, I think if I remember correctly, when I looked at the box office numbers, it was made for like $20 million and it made like $22 million in the box office. It was very divisive by critics. So you might not have seen it. But again, it is a film about a woman going home for Thanksgiving. When I look at that, I'm like, there's really not that many. Now I know what you're thinking. There's one major notable exception to this list and we're going to talk about it. So on that note, Charlie Brown, Thanksgiving. And you know what that makes me think about? This is the perfect time for everybody's favorite segment, Total Rewind. Total Rewind, where we take a look at movies 30 years older and say if they still hold up. Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Now it's from 1973, so it is much older than 30 years. Looks a little something like this. You may have remembered it. You may know it well. So this is actually the third of the three major Charlie Brown peanut specials after Charlie Brown Christmas. And it's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown, which I believe D-Man and I have talked about both of those peanut specials because we both love the peanut specials and kind of a tradition for the holidays. So this was the third one made, an Emmy winner in its own right. It came out in 1973, but it's a little bit different than the other ones. And part of it is, again, Thanksgiving doesn't get the love that Halloween does or that Christmas does. So I think that this is as widely viewed and as favorably remembered as most of the other ones, which is kind of a shame because I think it's a pretty cool story. Of note, this is actually one of the first ones, or not one of, this is the first Charlie Brown special where all the characters are voiced by kid actors. And for a Christmas and for It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, they actually had adult actors who were voicing the kids. And this one, it was actually kids voicing the kids. And so because of that, you'll notice that the voices sound slightly different than the other two that you may be more familiar with because these are kids, not the traditional actors. It's kind of funny because in doing so, they actually had a boy do the voice of Peppermint Patty because they wanted someone with a deeper voice. And the actor talked about how he actually had a deviated septum. So he had a gravelly, like stuffy, cold voice his entire childhood. And it turns out that that was just perfect for him to get the role of uh, Peppermint Patty, which I find a little funny. I also read that this is unlike the first two, which were largely based on the peanut source material as inspiration. This one was mostly created from scratch where Schultz worked with the animation team and kind of made up an original story for this one, as opposed to going back to the source material. 
Essentially, the story is very simple. Peppermint Patty, her dad's out of town. She invites herself over to Charlie Brown's for Thanksgiving. Charlie Brown, being unprepared for Thanksgiving, has to throw together a feast. That's what he does. Now, that strikes a chord with me because actually this Thanksgiving, similarly in my family, we, we received an invite from an unexpected guest who was like, hey, oh, by the way, I'm coming over for Thanksgiving, so... So we'll see how that one goes. I was feeling a little bit like Charlie Brown when I was watching this earlier to talk about it. But I find it very funny how the first thing Charlie Brown does is he calls on Snoopy. And he not only does he make Snoopy get the table, set it up and decorate it, but he also makes Snoopy make all the food. So I was really like, Charlie Brown, what do you actually do for the Thanksgiving that you're hosting? Snoopy, being Snoopy, makes some popcorn, gets some candy, gets some pretzels, makes some toast. And that is a kid's Thanksgiving right there. I know that this is something that's kind of controversial. And in the story, it is a source of conflict between the characters. But there's kind of two schools of thought since this one. There's people that love it because they're like, oh my gosh, this is like a kid's opinion on what Thanksgiving would be like. And the other thought is this is super messed up because this is not in any way what a traditional Thanksgiving dinner looks like and why would Schultz do it? So first of all, I would love to know your thoughts on it. I always thought it was kind of funny. I mean, they're eating outside on a ping pong table. It's not like this is clearly a well thought out and organized and planned Thanksgiving dinner. My very favorite scene from it is when uh, Snoopy pulls out the gigantic beach chair and they get into a wrestling match. I just think it's really funny and creative and clever. And again, one of the reasons why I love animation, because, you know, you could never have an entertaining scene where a character gets into a wrestling match with a chair in live action, but you can in animation. And, it, and it, I think it, it translates really well. And it's a lot of fun. What else? There is a great line where... Marcy kind of towards the end of the film reminds everyone that Thanksgiving is not truly about the food. It's about being together. And that's something that I think we always forget. It's really easy to get caught up in tradition. It's really easy to get caught up on all the other crap around the holiday. And the important thing is that you're with people that you care about, whether they're family, friends, just your dog, whoever. Last takeaway that I really had from Charlie Brown Thanksgiving was there is a scene that I find a little little disturbing where um, Snoopy and Woodstock sit down at the table with the turkey and Woodstock eats some turkey. It's sort of pseudo almost cannibalistic, but I guess if it doesn't bother Woodstock, then it shouldn't bother any of us either, right? <laughs> Now, what's cool is on the DVD that I was watching, they actually then have, it's called The Mayflower Voyagers. And it is apparently the first episode of a series. I think it's called This is America, Charlie Brown. In it, Linus recaps the story of the founding of Plymouth Colony, the Puritans leaving England and a stab heading to America in the first Thanksgiving. It's kind of a very simplistic, rudimentary look at the origins of Thanksgiving. And it's it's kind of a fun little addition to the, the Charlie Brown short. So that's all I got. Look, do I think it still holds up? Absolutely. Charles Schultz does such a great job of creating memorable, relatable characters with universal appear. And again, with both the other two that we talked about, when you watch this, this Peanuts film, there are 
just universal elements of it. And even though it's almost more than 50 years old now, there's there's a kernel of truth to it that that sticks out to everyone. And it's a lot of fun to watch. And I mean, come on, we all love Snoopy. So does it still hold up? Absolutely. If you haven't seen this one in a, in a while, you can find it on Apple+. Plus. I also saw that, I guess, as part of Apple acquired the rights to this from the Schultz estate, I guess part of it was one of the concessions that they made was that they had to show it on public access television, like at least one day a year for all of them. So check your TV. It may be streaming on regular PBS or whatever. If you haven't seen it, I did see it's not on Vudu, which is really weird because you can buy most of the other peanut specials, just not this one. So I don't know. I hope you all have a really wonderful Thanksgiving with the people you care about. I love Thanksgiving so much because it's all my favorite things. It's food. Yeah, I love food. It's family. It's friends. It's it's football. And this year we get the added bonus of additional football. So, you know, whether you want to watch the, the European football or the American football or get two TVs and just watch both at the same time, what an amazing time. You totally can. The other thing I'm actually going to be watching on Thanksgiving, and this is a little bit of a, probably a TMI for most of you. Did you ever watch that totally cringeworthy Thanksgiving that almost wasn't cartoon from 1972? It's a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. It's just, it's awful. It's terribly made with the bad early like 70s graphics where they rerun the same scene like five times and it's supposed to be a different scene. And they even use the same music that they created for Scooby-Doo. And it's about a talking squirrel, Jeremy, that actually saved the first Thanksgiving. So if you want, you can find that on YouTube and uh, you can suffer for the, for the 20 minutes that, that I'm going to they used to always show it on Cartoon Network as part of, I guess, apparently uh, the Thanksgiving festivities. Because again, there's nothing for Thanksgiving. Every year, my brother and I, I would always find some way to slip it on. And we just both groan and be like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Uh, well, now we just still do it because it's that's what we've always done. D-Man were here. He would tell you that he's going to be watching all 10 Friends episodes. Because one of the cool things that Friends always did is if you watched it, each season, there is a Thanksgiving episode. And are all fantastic. Part of it is because of the fact that you have all six of the main characters hanging out in one room and what a goldmine for comedy. Still think my very favorite is actually the season eight one. Brad Pitt plays a guy who was bullied by Rachel Green when he was when they were back in high school and now she's kind of in love with him. It's one of my all-time favorite episodes of Friends. If you haven't seen Friends in a while, I would say just pick that one out. It's called The One with a Rumor. It's from season eight and obviously so you can get on HBO Max. On that note, now I'm just rambling. Let us know your thoughts. I want to know, hey, are you going to be watching the World Cup? Yes or no? I want to know, B, what do you think about Thanksgiving movies? Why is nobody making them? And is part of it that nobody's watching them? Would you watch Thanksgiving movies if they created them aside from animated stuff that you watched as a kid? I don't know. I'm just curious. Finally, what are you going to be doing for Thanksgiving? I hope you have a wonderful time. I hope you get to see some people that you really love and care about, whether you're traveling time zones or just a few blocks. I hope you have a fantastic Thanksgiving. Thank you for taking a little bit of time to hang out with me today. We'll be back next week. And obviously D-Man will be back with us. I'm trying to think of how he wraps up every episode. Share your thoughts anyway, because we always like to hear from you. If you want to send me pictures of what you're eating, well, you can do that too. I'd rather see pictures of what you made as opposed to, you know, like you eating turkey off the bone. That's a little lame. Filmmakers Comes Podcast, you can go to at Film Comp Podcast. You can, can, you can message us there, la, la, la. I don't know what I'm doing. 
in, go to filmmakerscompasspodcast.com. You can find the show. We're posted anywhere that you catch podcasts. We love reviews. Please give us a great one because it helps us with the algorithm. You can message D-Man and tell him how much you missed him at Big Kid D-Man. You could message me and tell me how much you missed D-Man at NDCal5. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Filmmakers Compass Podcast. We'll see you back here next week. Until then, keep watching movies.